0: Hi, and welcome to Spartan Speak, a production of the Lansing State Journal, Detroit Free Press, and USA Today Network. I am Graham Couch from the Lansing State Journal, alongside my Detroit Free Press colleague, Chris Solari. It is Tuesday, November 7th, and um, the day after Michigan State's basketball season officially began with the uh, thud heard around the Spartan community.
1: Uh, uh, Yeah, I was going to say, for some of the people who are overreacting to it, it ended also that day.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, it does. There are some people who think it's done. Um, now, it, it look, we're going we're gonna to get into Michigan State basketball because I think that needs to be addressed for a little while here. First, we'll talk some MSU football uh, a, a little later before the Ohio State game. Um, in a lot of years, what would feel like a big game, I it doesn't really have that, that feel right now, even though it's a primetime game in Columbus. Um, but MSU basketball loses to James Madison in the opener, and um, I wasn't surprised, Chris, that it was close because I had read enough about James Madison going in, knowing who they had back. I thought it was going to be competitive. I thought it was going to be a little nervy. Um, and then, but as soon as the game started, almost immediately, and I tweeted it out pretty quickly and sort of wrote to this. I Where we sit, Chris, is right on the, the baseline near the opposing bench, and, and I could see it in their eyes, and the way they competed, and the way they communicated, that team was not scared. They expected to come in and get a resume win. It was their the, – the backers or the fans who travel with them looked the same. It was not this wide-eyed Breslin Center experience look to them. I, I've seen that look before rarely, but I've seen it before on mid-major teams that go into a venue like this. And I, I knew right away Michigan State was in for a real fight and that they had a couple guys that were a problem – and then Michigan State didn't play that well either. So that you, you couple those two things and you get the situation you did. It will not be a bad loss. As long as James Madison stays healthy, it will not be a bad loss at the end of the year in terms of like, I mean, James Madison will be a top 75 RPI team. They'll be a, a team that I, I think higher than that even. They've got a chance with a win like that uh, to not even need to win the conference tournament in the Sun Belt to have... You know, to be an at-large, uh, an at-large consideration, they got a squad. They got a really good veteran squad that 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 uh, was going to give Michigan State fits, and you'll see the difference between James Madison and Southern Indiana on Thursday, right? That, that not everybody looks the same just because people don't know who they are. That said, Chris, it's it's a it's a concerning start.
1: Oh, beyond that, I think you couple that with the seventeen to one outset uh, against Tennessee, which adds more alarm bells to it, without question. Um and you know they recovered in that game and you saw probably more of what this team is going to be like. But this game, uh, there were two games that this sort of reminded me of in some ways: the Syracuse game uh, at Little Caesars, where everyone wants to fixate and focus on Ben Carter and Jaron Jackson without. Remembering that I think they went like four of twenty or something like that from three. They were it's like six of thirty-seven or six thirty-one. was awful. Yeah. from three-point yeah. range in that game, and they were one of twenty in this game. And the other one it reminds me of it, it, in a different way, um, is the right state game back in ninety-nine, two thousand, the year they won the national title. That's a different circ- set of circumstances with no cleaves on the road, uh, but against a quality mid-major team that. Was, was Wright State success. quality that year, though? I, I don't even remember if Wright State was any good that but year. It, but it's a program that's had success. It was sure, at that sure. point. So, I mean, you know, there's no deer in headlights, depending on the opponent with that. And, I mean, you look at James Madison's roster. I mean, these are guys that have played in big-time games and environments. You know, it, it, you know, the, the Friedel kid, I mean, people might say, well— take a shot because he's about to reference South Dakota State but the kid played at South Dakota State in a team for a team that went to the tournament and and has played in high major games and you got kids from Boston College and you got kids from George Mason and
0: well, and their best players is, is homegrown who stuck around which right. you don't see all that much in mid-majors and Edwards and then Bickerstaff like Bickerstaff and Edwards were better than other than Tyson Walker, anybody on MSU's team last night. That wasn't just some you know, they were really good. And and Edwards would start on every team in the Big Ten. And what was kind of funny, and this is I gotta be careful here my nod to mid major hoops. But the 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 like four of the best five players, everybody outside of Cohen Carr in that game, um, were all mid major guys who <laughs> were overlooked. Tyson Walker yep. was two years at Northeastern and that's where they you know they had faced him at James Madison before. Um so it just goes to show sometimes that uh People get this stuff wrong, um, so but let, let's go with the 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 points of concern beyond the bad shooting because Michigan State could have won this game by eight nine points if they had shot differently and and they'd still have some of the same issues today that they do and I, I think one thing that was clear to me that was different about uh, James Madison than, than Michigan State is James Madison looks like a team that knows what it is, who it is, what its rotation ought to look like. look like a mid-season form, even though they got some transfers, but a veteran team coming in that understands roles, who they are, and all this stuff. Michigan State looks like a team that is trying to figure out how it's all going to look, how it's going to be put together. A lot of intriguing pieces, some veterans, but veterans giving way to some young players in certain spots, veterans whose ceilings in certain places may not be as high as the younger players, and so how that plays out over time. There's a lot still to put together for Michigan State, and, and we saw how that doesn't necessarily look great yet.
1: Yeah, and I thought that that Byington, uh, James Madison's coach, did a good job with his rotation and used all of his fouls. I mean, 18 fouls in the first half, and I think he had two guys or uh, uh, three guys with – now one guy with three fouls, and a bunch of guys, no, three guys with three fouls and a bunch of guys with two fouls. They, they used their physicality to their advantage in that game and rotated guys in and out based on that. And I thought that was that was something that you had. You don't see that rotation pattern yet with Izzo. I think there was a lot of, you know, when the shots weren't falling, when the, the defensive lapses were happening in particular, uh, you know, when some – Poor offensive decision making was going on. Izzo was trying to get guys going and substituting here and there to to try and generate some sort of spark, which didn't happen until Cohen Carr got in the game, really. But uh, you're right. I think I think, and that generally that's gonna that takes Izzo time. We've we've seen that over the years. Getting his substitution pattern, getting. The minutes ironed out, getting the roles and responsibilities uh, iron, you know, ironclad. Uh, sometimes takes until January or February, but you can tell there's talent on this team. The concern with it is some of the same concerns that we've seen over the years. You know, AJ Hogard shooting too many jump shots and not attacking the basket. Um, You know, Jaden Aikens disappearing for stretches and missing shots. There was a lot of that. Malik Hall, I mean, Malik Hall still looks – and he says he's 100% and, you know, he had the off-season surgery, but he looks like a shell of the player he was at the beginning of last year. Yeah, Malik Malik Hall did not
0: play well. And I think, you know, part of – so you got – a lot of focus was on after the game, and this is just sort of the social media check – but Malik Hall and Cohen Carr, because Cohen Carr played really well for the most part. I thought uh, Ant Wright on um, social media date today did a really good breakdown of the um, the putback. Was it by Edwards? Yeah, um, very good, that, that very
1: good video
0: breakdown. And, and, and it shows that that was actually Cohen Carr's fault, and and it's where Cohen Carr. It's, it's So you get a young player who in in, in ball screen defense when he's relieved by Malik Hall, who then takes his man is supposed to go out to a guy wide and instead takes Jaden Aikens man. And so Jay Aikens is like out in an Island, like, Oh, and then his guy gets free. And so the whole thing goes wrong defensively because a freshman doesn't understand exactly where he needs to be. And, and that's, but, but those are the things you're going to live with, with Cohen Carr. I mean that, that you're going to have to, because he did so much well. And, and so that's, that's going to be understandable, and, and, and the ideal situation is you aren't in that situation where it, it's a, it's a last second. You know, it, I mean, he'll learn from that, and they'll they'll show them that in film, and maybe he doesn't make the mistake next time. But those are the mistakes that 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 Malik Hall doesn't make in that in that situation in terms of where to be and, and that sort of thing. Usually, um, I do think though, Cohen Carr is a guy. I was sitting next to Larry Lage, and um, you know, right away, Larry was like, "They got to play him thirty minutes." They got to play him thirty minutes. He played he played twenty eight with overtime, twenty six in regulation, um, because he just he does some things in terms of how comfortable he is in traffic, catching, finishing, um, rebounding. Yeah, you know it, it's beyond that. He just does some things that nobody else on that roster really gives them right now. And I think at the four, uh, he becomes a really intriguing player. Um, you know because you know obviously there's it, it, there's a lot more. Um, a lot more guys at the at the guard spots. I, I think you're going to see him spend a lot of his time this year at the power forward position.
1: Yeah, it, it you know he he created some things off the dribble, which I thought was was interesting. His first bucket, you know, driving baseline, and you know, just kind of like the Tennessee game, everyone expecting him to throw down a dunk, but instead it's like this leaner under the basket where he's able to position himself and draw a foul and finish strong through contact. I mean, the strength is there. It's it's grown man strength. It's not freshman strength like we see with Xavier Booker. You know, Booker obviously doesn't have the same, uh, I don't want to say physical tools, but he doesn't have the same size and body right now that that Cohen Carr does. And he had another, he had a rebound um, that The ball looked like it was going about a foot and a half behind him, and he was able to track it with his eyes and use his his wingspan to reach back over his head and get it. That was, I mean, you haven't seen a rebound like that in quite some time in in this program. Um, There was, I mean, Jay Nakin's got 11 boards in the game, um, which I thought was, I mean, it's a career high, but more importantly, that's been a demand of Izzo from him, I mean, throughout. Um, you know, I mean, he had no one of the exhibition games. He didn't have a rebound, and Izzo had been harping on him. Uh, he's got to be able to rebound. But I mean, at some point for these guys, and I thought James Madison did a good job on the interior. But you still got to attack, and you still got to. I mean, they were getting to the line. They were. I mean, they were. If there's another positive in this, they were getting to the line, and a lot of that was the physicality that James Madison played with. You got to. I mean, this is a win in regulation if they hit. Half of their free throws. I don't
0: want to go out on a limb too far with the the James Madison love, but you know one of the things that I was reminded of, um, and I just thought of this driving home last night, was Butler in 2010. And and I'm not saying James Madison is Butler, but I do remember the narrative about that Butler team early in the tournament. And this is before Butler, maybe it's 2000, yeah, it's 2010 before Butler had ever made their run beyond the Sweet 16 when they were still a Horizon League mid major, and. I, Jay Billis and others, and I wrote a column about this way back when then too, would would sit there and say, oh, they just don't have the talent the other teams do, so they'd probably be. De-. People didn't know what they were looking at. Butler actually had more long term NBA years on their roster than almost anybody they faced in that tournament with Gordon Hayward and Shelvin Mack, and they had a top 100 center. You know, like actual talent, it was the Butler name. Sometimes we just can't see past things. You know, I, I think Edwards for them is a guy who would be a really, really quality Big Ten player. And sometimes it says James Madison, and people have been around MSU a long time, you just cannot see. Uh, I mean, I, I think James Madison's a really, a really good basketball team, but they are not as deep, so you know, they, they, their season could get derailed um, there as well.
1: That's the thing, though. They're, they're maybe a little deeper. I mean, they just don't have the maybe the scoring talent, but the guys that they were rotating and bringing in defensively clogged things up.
0: But what I mean is, Michigan State could have an ankle sprain to one of its guards and be okay. If, if Edwards sprains an ankle, oh, that could yeah, be two weeks. That really yeah. that really hurts them. You know, they don't have that sort of that sort of depth, and that often happens uh, at that at that level. I think the center position is another one, uh, Chris. We should touch on because, and again, I don't I don't want to overreact to one game. Um, and I know the Tennessee game is another game, so it's not like it's it's truly just one game. But you know, you do want to. It is a long season, and you want to sort of. See
1: how guys adjust. Yeah, yeah, very rarely are you going to have exhibition games that you're going to refer back to. And not, but that right. Tennessee is a barometer.
0: Carson Cooper was, you know, I think better than Mati Sissoko for most of the game. Agreed. And and that's something that and he started the second half Cooper did and Sissoko played a lot late though and 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 I I am curious to see how that position um unfolds and I don't I don't hate the idea of starting Sissoko for this reason is because sometimes I think early in games you can tell if it's going to be a Mati Sissoko night, <laughs> and what I mean by that is there are certain types of defenses he works well offensively in terms of you know uh, ball screens and, and 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 you know scoring off lobs and defensively or it seems to be not you know it seems to be in the right place more often than not and, and things like that and then there are certain games where he doesn't look great and I think you by starting him you can react to that um, pretty quickly uh, but Cooper just looks. Like he he's the guy there more than, um more than 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 Sosoka. What 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 I do wonder is with a guy like Booker who's going to get muscled around in there, who only played five minutes, but didn't play didn't play poorly, didn't do anything outside of his lane. I didn't think I don't I wasn't upset with him.
1: Looked a little lost at times on defense, but yeah, understandable yeah, so, for a freshman.
0: And playing the four mostly, you you do wonder if like he'll play, um. If they'll start to try to use him at the five, the thing that's a little bit dangerous about that is that at some point you're going to get Jackson Kohler back, and then it gets a a real log jam. Now Kohler might be able to play the four, and 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 how you use those guys, you got to get creative too. I mean, you you could say well Kohler can play the four offensively, but defensively he may not have the foot speed to guard some of the guys. Will be up against him, you. Got to guard him at the five, and you you know you you can you can play guys on a different spot offensively than they are defensively um, but I, the center position for one is, is one that because even coming into the season while they were better last year the question were was are they good enough there to let the rest of their talent take hold and and I don't know that they are um now the rest of their talent didn't do a lot last night in those right. places but I, I I still think the center spot is a spot especially when is, is a problem especially when Sissoko's on the floor
1: yeah, and, and you know, this is obviously they faced an undersized team too, so it's you know, you're going to you the bigger the guys you get, the better of a picture you're going to see with those guys. I mean, what was uh James Madison I think went 6-9, a couple guys. So, I mean, but they don't have the depth and size that, that Michigan State does or that a lot of Michigan State's opponents are going to have. Um, and that sometimes complicates things for, for true bigs, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think that's, and I, and I've kind of said this for a while that I think that Sissoko and Cooper pairing, uh, at least right now could go back and forth. And I mean, that could be a easy change for Izzo to swap those two, as we saw at the beginning of the second half in the starting group, um, might be a little easier of a change for him to make rather than moving car with uh in, in place of hall. Uh, and maybe and maybe he's so frustrated that and he talked about it playing both of them, you know, playing you know, this is playing more for the freshmen. I mean, you know, we talk about those guys so much, but AJ Hogar was lost last night, then you know, yeah, and I mean, you know at some point, you know, as much as we're talking about Cooper and Sissoko and, you know, Booker Kohler, and, you know, that's going to take some time, I think, to find not just the the right starting guy but the pairs with the four and the five because that's something that Izzo does. But I think that you got to look at A.J. Hogard and some of the things that he did in terms of regressing to where he was at his worst last year, you know the, the body language issues, the complaining with at his teammates, uh, settling for jumpers and not attacking the basket as much. Um, then you add in the, him and Tyson Walker cramping a lot, uh, from what Izzo said. That those are all things that, that, to me, are a bigger concern because you need if you're going to make these expectations reality. You need AJ Hogarth playing like he did in the NCAA tournament and the Big Ten tournament, being the attacker, being the ins- he shouldn't be the one in the corner getting a pass from Tyson Walker for a three. It should be the other way around.
0: Well so there there's there's the issue. And 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 that's you know, Izzo said and he was referring to Hogard when he said, you know, magic wasn't a shooter and some guys who aren't shooters have to realize they're not shooters. Yep but but that's also how the offense gets set up. Like why why I mean Michigan State lost its national championship in 2014 for several reasons. One, it was a, a brilliant performance by a Yukon guard. One uh, two, it was Keith Appling's wrist and loss of confidence. But three, most of that year they had a guy who was barely shooting. It was like 28%, 27% from 3, Denzel Valentine before he became a 45% three-point shooter as a, as a senior when he was a sophomore in the corner Missing threes, he was the open guy. You have to set up your offense so that your guys who can shoot are, are the ones who catch the ball there. And, and so that I mean, some of that's on Hogar, but if, you, if, you're the, if you're in the corner, if that's the way the offense is, and you get the ball
1: there, you, you, should, you should let it fly. But, but, but here's the problem with that. The reason the offense was set like that is because Hogar should have been out front with the ball in his hands and wasn't attacking. All game. Yeah. I mean, he was struggling. I mean, there were points where Jaden Akins had the ball in his hand, trying to trigger the offense. They moved Walker out there. They used Holloman and Fears to do that. But Hogard, for some reason, when he was in there, was passive around the perimeter and not going to the basket.
0: And they had Holloman running it late for a little while. Um, you, you know, what are they? I'd like to see you know Izzo run a little bit more. Like there was a brief stretch where he had Fears, uh, Hogard, Walker really interesting lineup for a minute. And it was like a, less than a minute. Like didn't even give that lineup a chance to figure itself out. And then Akins came in and that's still a really intriguing lineup. They are trying to let Akins operate more and that's part of the deal with him coming back. So you've also got that situation. And so you, you they're, it's going to take a minute to figure some stuff out and, and you can say, well, you, you do what's best to win, but you don't look, you want Jay Aikens to come back. Part of the deal is you're more involved in creating offense. Otherwise Jay Aikens is gone. So, that there are those politics that have to be involved you can't just lie to kids I mean if you if you say this is what we're gonna do with you if you come back then you have to you have to do some of that and you have to give that kid a chance
1: yeah I mean he did that with miles bridges and then down the stretch when they needed wins miles bridges was playing the four that year not the three like he had been promised
0: you, correct and I'm and I'm not saying you let a team, but this is game one of November, right? Like, so if, 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 you know, if you get into the heart of big 10 play and you've been trying things and and this is what it is, then that's, that's what it is. But you know, you got to give it people a chance. You know, Jay Nakins, Jay Nakins can't be a guy who's not allowed to create just because there are other creators on the team. If Jay Nakins doesn't create for people because Jay Nakins struggles with it for whatever reason, I don't necessarily think that'll be the case. That's, that's different. Then you make that adjustment. Miles Bridges, you know, was had the ball in his hands when it should have been Cassius Winston. Right. Way too often that 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 year, and they they they, they probably knew it. And but they sort of and and too often coaches do this. By the way, Miles Bridges was not going to be drafted lower yep. if he had played the four as a sophomore. I, I, this goes back to my high school. You want another drinking game reference? Ron Banks, right here. Ooh. I mean, his his yeah, his junior year, one of the great players of all he time. He is
1: creeping into David Cool territory.
0: <laughs> oh, he's beyond David Kuhl territory. He's on my Mount Rushmore. It's like, it's like, you know, Barry Sanders, John Elway and Ron Banks. Um, the, uh, but they tried to put him on the wing and he was dominant as a point guard. He was dominant in the post and it wasn't like Michigan state and Syracuse and everybody in the world didn't want him even with. Wherever he was playing, you know it wasn't a matter for and and coaches get too caught up in that and the NBA will find you and all that stuff. Do you think and um, and this is well. a question
1: for you? Do you think it's the coaches that are too caught up in it, or is it the handlers outside the programs that are too caught up in it that lean on coaches to do that?
0: Well, sure, it, it's 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 a, it's absolutely a, it's it's the kids and it's yeah. it's them worrying about it and uh,
1: yeah, you got to manage you got to manage egos as a coach and that's yeah. that's you know it, that's getting trickier and trickier as things go along and you know i mean or i i don't know if we'll see a guy 29 30 years and then tack in the assistant stuff i don't know if we'll see many guys like that in the coaching realm anymore just because it's it, it's become such a different ball game in terms of the the players and and their people having a lot more sway over the coaches because of the ability to transfer the ability to turn pro or whatever it might be
0: i totally agree it's it's I'm also curious to see with with this particular team. I I just think there's so much to manage more than usual. With in some ways, when you have this sort of depth and guys, you're not even sure who your best guys are entirely yet. That's tricky. But the other thing that'll get you know, uh, some people have said to me, you know, just start fears over Hogard. If you want to see a team fall apart, bench the senior point guard and in, in, early in the season who will be surly and unhappy and return. Like, you know, I'm not saying that if if over time Fears didn't show himself to be the better option there that you don't make that move. You do. But you don't do it early. You give guys a chance to prove who they are. You don't bench Malik Hall after game one. Now, Hall was not as good as um, Cohen Carr in many ways in game one, in many ways. And so if that continues to play itself out over time, then you adjust to it and you figure that and you have those conversations but you can't overreact in game 1. I know Izzo said, you know, I'll play the freshman, that's sort of his warning. He's not going to turn around tomorrow and start for freshman. You may see somebody, he may change one thing in the lineup or something and you may see Cohen car starter. You may see I still would doubt he does it this quickly. Um I think it was more just a warning a warning shot.
1: Maybe. I mean, you know, he I mean the one thing though is that he's seen this in practice and he's seen uh, you know, with at least with the Tennessee game, he knows where the areas of concern might lie, um, and you know, with Duke coming up next week on Tuesday, uh, do you if you are going to make a change, you aren't going to make it in that game more than likely. You obviously you, you might make it this game or the game after, um, you know, in between. I think there's a game in between Duke and the Arizona game. So there's uh, you know, there there's juggling the schedule and juggling that. I I, t- I kind of tend to agree with you. I think if any change, like I said before, is maybe the easiest is the Cooper and Sissoko situation. But it, but the other thing, and we you know, Izzo has talked about this year in year out, is you'd also don't want to have a second group that is missing pieces. So. You know, it there's also that when you talk about the starting five, but who's playing together in the second unit is equally as important. And like like Fears and Holloman have a pretty good rapport with each other right now. Yeah. Do you want to break yeah. that up? And what does you know? Let's say you you demote A.J. Hogar. What's what's Hogard and Holloman gonna be like versus Fears and Walker? And there's there's and they, and Hogard and Walker do play well together. We've seen that. There's there's data on that.
0: And I think it's important that, you know, I know it's their first loss in November since 86. It's also important to remember they didn't play home games very often in November until like 1999. And then, you know, the other, the, I mean, it used to be the season essentially started December 1st and then it was the Maui Invitational that sort of kicked things off and it's gotten earlier and earlier. And then I've also covered this team and also they play all these neutral site games. They don't play a lot of November home games. And I've covered, I mean, I've covered games where this team would have lost to James Madison easily but was playing a lesser opponent right so like i mean it, it, yes it, it it is historic in that sense but it, it's not
1: you weren't even born you weren't even born yet the last time they lost a home opener
0: yeah yeah that's i mean that speaks to the scheduling and i actually I texted kevin Pauga in the middle of the game or no i he texted me cuz i tweeted about it i said this is good scheduling and he said is it though <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and But it is because this is the type of stuff that challenges you. Big picture, and, yeah. and the great stuff about college basketball is if you lose to a good team, even at home in the opener, it does not ruin your season. It does not ruin your season. It, it doesn't help you, but it doesn't ruin your season the way it can in, in college football a little bit or, or things like that. And so, um,
1: and, that's, and you know what? That's, and this kind of dovetails into football in some ways, I think, as well. Um, I always talk about November amnesia. And November amnesia in football is that everything's set November first, you know, what we see in the playoff rankings or whatever else, uh, the polls and everything, this is this is who we're gonna see in playing for a championship. But there's so many massive games in November that always, every year, people walk in thinking it's going to be one way and ends up a completely different way by the time December rolls around and the conferences are done. College basketball is the other way around where people are still in that football mindset that every game like you said means so much more when ultimately you you're building towards something farther along. I mean, you're building towards your conference schedule. I mean, this is, you know, you've got more opportunities. You've got Chances to challenge and push and develop guys uh, that, you know, come January, you know, when you're in the thick of your conference season, that these guys are a little more battle tested. So, but I mean, the optics, I mean, the optics of losing the home opener, though, particularly with everything that's happened this fall with football makes this probably a lot more difficult to digest. This was supposed
0: to be the, the, um, the thing everybody was looking forward to the thing that sort of calmed the, the the nerves calmed everybody's world soothed the fan base so to speak
1: a salve if and, you
0: will on the wounds a, and it, yes it did not provide that and you know and, and and it's tough when i know for MSU fans you live in a state where you 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 take it and so you know just i would advise being off social media right now <laughs> as much as possible uh, to help you and and people who are getting on you know, and you can say don't know college basketball there are people who you know Our, our, you know, colleague in the business, so to speak, a Michigan State grad, Charles Robinson, who's a wonderful reporter, great journalist, diehard Michigan State fan. He does not cover college basketball. Had a meltdown last night that makes you go, Charles. Like seriously, if anybody had a meltdown that like that in football, you would say, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" Like people overreact to this immensely. I'm not saying it's not worth reacting to. I'm not saying it's acceptable, but I, I, I. I knew it was going to be a tough game going in. And then as soon as the game started, I thought that what happened could happen. And at some point I pr- tweeted out a prediction pretty early on that Michigan State was going to lose that game. And it wasn't just the score start. I've seen MSU storm back. It was the, physicality. the look of, and the other team. The f- yeah, it was the dynamic of the other team. And, and that was just different than, than most of what they, they face. you got to sometimes really watch the game and not the James Madison, not the Southern Indiana. Look for the difference in the... In the and the talent. Speaking of talent, let's uh, let's transition to football. Um, Michigan State at Ohio State, seven thirty p.m. this Saturday. Uh, a Buckeyes team that offensively is is more limited because they're not as good at the quarterback position than they've been. Um, defensively, they may be the best team in the country, and it'll, it's going to be a very interesting game for Michigan State. In one sense, we don't know their quarterback situation. We don't have a sense of. Do they have more than one on the roster healthy who's under scholarship who's going to play? We don't know what the, if Sam Levitt will, will will continue playing. He's at four games, his maximum to retain a, a redshirt year. Um, I I tend to think that without him, Michigan State has uh, I mean they have very little shot anyway, but has no shot at like coming up with enough offensive juice to even you know make Ohio State think for a minute. Um, but. Uh, I and if he is playing, how often, How much do you use him? Because he, you got to use him for more than two drives. If that guy's burning his red shirt.
1: Oh no, kidding! And that's, I mean, that was the plan that that Harlan Barnett said they had going into that game uh, last weekend. And you know they don't win that game without the touchdown that that Levitt throws, and that was an absolute rope in between coverage. Um, you know, but you you've seen what the offense has done with Kaden Hauser at quarterback there's just no spark i mean he you know the the only touchdown drive that he led in that game was set up by an end around pass from Alante Brown um that that's troubling because this offense needs a spark it needs it doesn't have a run game right now because it has one healthy running back really in Nate Carter and that's why they've been using guys like Elante Brown in the backfield. That's where a guy like Sam Levitt has shown a little bit more. I mean, he's a third-leading rusher on a team. He's only played two full quarters and, you know, a handful of drives and two other games. So that's, uh, I mean, they, they need some sort of shot in the arm or juice. I mean, but there is obviously for the kid bigger things at stake I mean one extra year of eligibility do you waste a year on on a season that's not going to go with a bowl you're not going to have an extra month of practice well it's not it's not not just even the
0: bowl it's 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 you're not playing for the staff that's going to be there that's true you're not you're not you don't know what school you want to be at you know you're playing a position where and you may be talented enough that you're not going to need uh you know the extra year but but you're also playing a position where the guys who make it to the NFL are often guys who have a lot of starts in college, and you don't know what your situation is going to be next year. Uh, I, if I were him, I would shut it down unless I was told I'm playing, at minimum, half the game the next three weeks. Because there is value, I think, in playing at Ohio State. There is value as a young player playing on the road, even at Indiana. There's value in playing that Ford Field game against Penn State. But it can't be throwing you know two passes. You know, it, it, It's got to be legitimate um you know time on the field and it's got to be experiencing those situations truly experiencing those situations to where there is enough value to argue that it's worth giving up the redshirt year and then the other thing i think is is sort of the is i would say the white elephant in the room is if he does shut it down does that mean that he is leaving it doesn't necessarily mean it. It still could mean the next coach comes in and convinces him to stay. But I think he is a guy who's going to have options at the end of this year, and it'll be interesting to see um, you know, if he decides he wants to shut it down for now. My guess is that he's leaning towards leaving.
1: Yeah, there's no question about that. I, I, and I, I wonder if if you look into what the plan was of saying, okay, he's going to get every third drive of the half. That's, that's all they were giving him at that point um the first drive you get you're back up to the four yard line the second drive you get uh the first play you're in it's a trick play that sends you out in an exposed manner to take an absolute shot that that's gonna play into a decision there's no question because I mean that's I mean that's to me running that play that they ran uh, not so much the, the. I mean, I. I don't like the idea of putting him in at the four yard line. If you've got a pitch count for him, you you adjust your plan at that point. You don't put him in a position where he's going to fail if he's only getting two chances. But throwing that end around with him is akin to playing Drew Stanton on special teams for a quarterback. Uh, people, I mean, there's you a can't. You cannot put ACL. Yeah, you, you can't put a guy in that kind of position where he's gonna take a massive hit exposed uh, uh, I mean as uh, a nice play don't get me wrong run that play with Caden Hauser he's been in the game do it there's obviously a reason they ran it with how with with because he obviously must have done it well in practice or better in practice but you also know what you're doing you also know that you're putting a kid at risk for injury that is already about to make a decision of whether or not he can shut it down I mean If that's how they're going to use him like that, if he's, you know, as we saw in the Minnesota game, kind of can run with reckless abandon to, you know, to the point where it could be physically detrimental, maybe shutting it down is a better option. So you can preserve those things for a chance to play in a full season somewhere, whether it be at Michigan State or elsewhere next year.
0: So beyond the quarterback position, and I think the quarterback position is important to this game, what will be really interesting for MSU is, and and they get Malik Carr back, you know, can they create enough do they have enough playmakers to to hold in there but i also think like if you're defensively msu has shown some real growth right and, and ohio state is not the juggernaut they've been and so the question is if your offense is is having a lot of three and outs and i think that's what's probably headed what's coming for michigan state how long can the defense hold up how long can they keep this competitive it is a, a real test for them at some point there's probably a, you know a, the damn breaks but are they ready to? Because what we haven't seen, and you you brought this up uh, on, on Monday and asking Harlan Barnett about it, you know they haven't been competitive with, with Ohio State in a long time, and this is sort of a measuring stick in terms of where the program talent is. Um, it's not, you know, look could things get away from them late? Yes, but that would look different than just a complete running over a team. Like when you watch the Michigan game. Michigan was scoring on every possession for a while, right? You watch the Ohio State games of recent years, it's like an every possession thing. It's not like they're in the game for a while. If the dam breaks in the second half, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but that's a better thing than what we've seen in recent years. And so I think part of this too is seeing how long and, and, and to what degree they're competitive in. And defensively, where that unit has been the strength of this team and grown quite a bit, I think, this year, I'm most curious there.
1: I think they've grown a lot since the Michigan game honestly but you know we'll see because that was the last significant test that they faced i mean yeah. and that doesn't matter that you know how how some of those games were they were close they they lost in the fourth quarter they the offense i mean it, you, you got to do it from the outset i mean and, and you're right though the, the strain that the offense is putting on the defense right now is 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 going to be magnified and multiplied against Ohio state. I mean, this is one of those games that, you know, even a struggling quarterback can start to make some, some positive gains on the other side. If you start moving the ball and Travion Henderson runs down your throat and then all of a sudden you've got some wiggle room to throw the ball, you know, if, if it's 21, nothing out of the, out of the gate, um, you know, and we've seen that in this, game before I mean what was it 49 nothing four you know a couple years ago down there at the horseshoe i mean you know that's this is a, a it, this is a, another one of those moments of resolve that this program has to show and you know these guys if they're playing for themselves which i think in some ways they are more so maybe they're talking about pride and pride for the program which is important but you know, it, it goes back to the pledge commitment and everything else, you know, transfer portal. You know, how much is there? I mean, you, ultimately, you are your boss. And if this team if this team can summon up a, another together performance like they did against Nebraska, what's the best-case scenario, do you think?
0: Yeah, right. It's probably not, you know... I mean, I think of that game in 2019, the last time they were real competitive for a while with Ohio State, and things got away from them. But it was... They were toe to toe with them for a while, and I don't think they'll they'll necessarily be there. What's interesting about this, and there, you're right, there is no long term real gain, right? Because the coaches probably like, they aren't going to be around. I mean, maybe a couple of them get retained or whatever, but the um, the you know the players are going to have decisions to make. It's not like you're growing into something, and that's the hard part about this. There is one thing, like so, it, when we have like our biggest dreams in life, and you're like in the shower or you're just uh, driving to work or whatever it might be, and you're thinking about, wouldn't it be cool if all this went well, like just fantasy land? This is the last game that allows the fantasy land to exist for like Barnett and and some of the – like this could all stay together because we all know what's going to happen with the coaching position. We all know what's realistic. The only way that Harlan Barnett would be considered beyond this year is if in fantasy land they beat like they just beat Nebraska, then they beat Ohio State, Indiana, and Penn State. They sweep November. All of a sudden they beat like two of the powers in the Big Ten. They're looking good. The program's moving towards something, you go, oh, wait a second, what the heck happened there that's not going to happen, but after this week, if it doesn't happen, the math doesn't even add up. they can't right. get to a bowl game that you know the, the, they can't do enough to make that even something you would and so the the dream even the the in the shower, the driving the work fantasy land dream has one week left, and that'll be interesting to see if that you know if if there's if that's worth extra trickeration if that's worth throwing out all the stops if that's whatever that is, and I don't know that you know if you're Jay Johnson, I'm not saying Jay Johnson's not rooting for people, but Jay Johnson's probably on to his next job partly too, you know, and like i it's not I don't know that everybody's thinking that way, but it it is interesting that this is the last week where I think dreams can live i those dreams aren't gonna come true, but it, you know you know what I'm saying
1: yeah i you know I wonder though I mean how many more tricks are left i mean when your yeah. your roster's already depleted, I mean you might have if if Kim's not available, Noah Kim and he's still hurt and not available. If you've got Levitt, I mean, not, you know, opting out to not play, now you're looking at Katen Hauser and Andrew Scorfar a walk on. Yeah. I mean, you know, do you script a do you script something for Elante Brown, a former high school quarterback who we saw throw that pass uh against Nebraska? Do you script things for him as a Wildcat quarterback? I mean, how how creative could, do you want to get? How creative do you need to get? How much do you need to stay in form? I mean, it's not like you're going to be able to just install this stuff. I don't think you were sitting there at the beginning of the year planning an Alante Brown at quarterback Wildcat package. You know, this isn't this isn't exactly something you can install game week.
0: No, no, I agree, and that that'll be interesting if they do. You know, I mean, they are in a situation where it would not. You know, if Levitt doesn't play, and and Hauser were to take a knock. You know, all of a sudden, you are looking at the possibility of Lante Brown at quarterback. And um, that is – it would be fascinating to cover. It would be a good little story, yeah. nice little fun little column from Columbus. I remember the last time we were in Columbus, Chris, the bas- early season basketball game, and Michigan State was playing Eastern Michigan at 5 p.m. And, I, and Michigan State got down so badly, so quickly, I remember thinking, if I leave now <laughs> – I could just cover the basketball game. Yeah. <laughs> it was, and so the question for me just is how long are they competitive? And are there, you know, again, the defensive growth? I do want to see you know, Malik Carr. The, you know, anybody named Malik right now is sort of maligned on enigmas, MSU's campus. Enigmas. Enigmas. Malik Carr um, is somebody who, like a brief moment at Iowa, right? He looked like an NFL tight end, and then he gets hurt in that game. And he's got all this gifted ability. It just rarely has shown up at, at, at Michigan State. and you know, But here's a game where what Michigan State has not had, and this goes back to something Mel Tucker used to say about needing difference makers, three or four on both sides of the ball to really do everything you want to do, right? And to, to compete with an Ohio State's defense, you've got to have three or four difference makers on offense. The guys, and we all know who these guys are. They are Kenneth Walkers of the world. They're the Charles Rogers of the world. They're the T.J. Ducketts of the world. They are guys who doesn't matter who's on the other side of the ball that Plaxico Burress is going to get his, you know, um, that sort of player. And so Michigan State does not have a lot of that on offense. They might have a young quarterback that has the swagger and moxie and some gifts that allow him to do some things, even if he makes some mistakes. I think that's worth it if if, if Sam Levitt will will, will play. And I think Malik Carr, from a physical standpoint, has some of the gifts that allow him to get some things done in any matchup. We just haven't seen it. So I'm curious if a guy like that who has had a horrible year? Who's healthy now? Who probably wants to be in the NFL next year, but is not on that path? What Malik Carr needs for his own future is to come out these last three weeks and look like the player that he's sort of been touted to be several times over in his career. And if you do it against Ohio State's defense, if you do it against Penn State's defense, if you show consistency, you know, yeah, you might be able to go after this year and be a fourth round pick. And but right now, you know, that's that's just not where things are headed for
1: him. Yeah. I- there are guys that you watch and see that that sometimes the the talent is obvious but the work ethic is a question and you know and I, and I don't mean that in a bad way not that these guys aren't working i think more along the lines of guys that have supreme talent or have really good traits that they coast by on that and they're not developing other parts of their games like you know car for blocking for instance you know that's something that had been a uh, a big concern and I think he's improved that to some some degree but you know it goes with attitude too attitude has to improve you have to be able to constantly show your teammates that you're working towards things and you know how how dinged up was he we don't know yeah, it's, it's weird because like I know his
0: dad pretty decently. He was the head coach at Grand Valley State, so he's, he's a coach's kid. You know what I mean? A guy who uh, his dad was a grinder. Uh, you know, in terms of coaching under Brian Gregory, and you know, was the guy who you know he like he he's I, I it just it is interesting that 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 trait doesn't seem to have followed him. I also think he's a good this, kid though, and that's the thing is oh, that, I think a, people oh, really need to understand kid. this. He's a really totally good kid. totally. I think you got to he, separate that stuff.
1: He's got. um a real, I mean, he said this before. He's like, it's just a game, it's you know, it's
0: yeah. I think he prefers basketball too.
1: Yeah, but there does come a point where you have to realize that this is being just a game is now your profession and your ability yeah. to make money and set your family up. That's that's and that's that's something that I think all 20 early 20 somethings start to kind of digest. And that's what I love about you. Get
0: four or five years to figure it out. Yeah, did he want to? Did he want last year to be his last year? Yes. Did he want this year to be his last year? Yes. But you know what? He also has another year of eligibility, and you know, and and that he can do that at Michigan State, or he can do that anywhere.
1: Well, it, it, he has to graduate though. Remember, he's already used one, his one-time transfer.
0: Oh, that's a good point. He came from Purdue, didn't he? Yeah. So
1: that puts him in a different situation. If he well,
0: did. then he has another year at Michigan State. Either way, a, a new coach is going to look at him. A new staff is going to say. Okay, we'll work with that guy because everybody's going to think that. You see him, and, and and so you know, I mean, for him, he, he's he's got time, but it's it's just it just to this point hasn't really hasn't really uh, worked out. Let's um, let's do our predictions. How uh, what what are we what are we looking at, Chris?
1: Well, it is way early in the week for us. Yeah, right? it is. I mean, yeah, yeah, is yeah. it a Tuesday that we're recording this, which is abnormal, but obviously the circumstances with the basketball make it a unique time. Yeah. And I don't know. Would you call this an emergency podcast? Maybe I don't know. Uh, but I, I, I'm I'm thinking as of Tuesday, probably somewhere in like the forty to six range. Um, I think Ohio State knows that they have to get better on offense, and this I think this is kind of one of those games when you've got a supremely talented team that you can be in attack mode from the outset and try and put up as much as you can as while you can and i mean it's, i think they're averaging like 32 or 33 a game but I, I can see them surpassing that and putting it into coast mode late in the second half the question like michigan
0: state couldn't couldn't score against michigan right and i think ohio state may be their defense is right there probably maybe even better yeah um it, 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 the the prediction also has to stems on levitt too because it, yes, I, I believe yes, they're yes their best chance to actually cross the finish line in a game or in a, in a drive or two is is him. It's not that it's not that Hauser can't get it done. And, and, and to be honest, if Hauser wants to sort of turn the narrative about his limitations, this is a good game to do it. You, you know, the drives you've led, if you, you know the drive you led last week against Nebraska, you know, and I understand that there was a, a 46 yard pass play by Alante Brown in there, but but if you lead to a touchdown drive, <laughs>
1: other, than, other other than the wide receiver flipping the field with a throw, yeah.
0: Right. Well, yeah. So I guess maybe let's go back to uh, the Rutgers and the drives he led. But if you lead a drive against Ohio State where you show some juice in your arm and you show some playmaking ability and and you finish in the red zone, that that'll be eye opening. And and you know and a lot of this is not like you you don't have to be this guy who just dominates with your arm to be a great college quarterback. It, it's it's a nice trait to have, and that's why everybody's so uh, you know enticed by by Sam Levitt, but. Um, you know, Kaden Hauser could still be a really good college quarterback, and it's just going to be a little bit of a different route, I think. And and so, you know, can he show anything there? But I, I think if Levitt can't play or doesn't play, and my guess is he doesn't. That's just my hunch. I that's my total guess. Mine I,
1: as well. I I kind of feel that way as well, particularly after the things that we talked about earlier.
0: Yeah. So if he doesn't, and it's it's, I, I'm going to say the final score. The damn breaks a little bit. It winds up being like, you know, forty five three, some in that yeah. realm. Or that. I don't know. I'll That's say this, gonna... though.
1: I'll say this. If if I'm Harlan Barnett, Jay Johnson, probably I would have to say Mark D'Antonio or Harlan Barnett. I'm force feeding clips of Bill Burke all week to whoever. Kate Hauser, Sam Levitt, Andrew Scorefar. That should be fed to them. The The clips of Bill Burke going down there in 98 and winning with a, a pedestrian Michigan State team to knock off the number one Buckeyes. Um I'm showing them clips of Damian Terry and Tyler O'Connor going and winning in 2015 with Connor Cook out. And I believe your prediction on that was, I think, 56 to three uh, before the game. Or no, 56 to two. That's right. 50 you, to two. 50 I thought there would be a yes. Calhoun or a safety. Yes. Mm-hmm. So can it happen? Yeah. Yes. Are the circumstances the same? Far from it.
0: Yeah, in some ways, it's the Alante Brown at quarterback situation that would really screw Ohio State up, right? It might. Right. We, I mean, we didn't prepare for this. The the, the there's the a re- there's is, a reason
1: I asked him about that on on Saturday after the game of whether Alante Brown would be an emergency quarterback, and it's for that reason with Sam Levitt, if he shuts it down, your options are limited. If especially if Noah Kim's not healthy, that was also the
0: finest hour for Michigan State's offensive line that season and it was. you know and, and maybe the last fine hour in michigan state football history since for the offensive line um don't but,
1: di- don't discount the fact that there are two guys on that offensive line that are veterans who played a lot of yep. football for michigan state nick samac and jd duplain and are guys from ohio that, that i think there's there's always been that sense of pride for the ohio guys going down to the horseshoe to play
0: i still would take a team with jack allen at center and conklin at left left tackle uh, over them but uh yeah uh but none uh, yes no uh, understood so um all right well we we will be back what's that well hopefully
1: we're not back on friday with an emergency podcast after a loss to southern indiana nobody needs that on a road trip weekend
0: correct no planned podcast until next week maybe we'll even talk a little um it might might get Nate Bot on to talk a little little uh, little, little hockey the so- women's soccer team. I'll be covering that match Friday at six in the NCAA tournament. Uh, busy busy times, lots of stuff going on. The um, and, uh, and who knows if if Michigan will have a football coach by uh, by the next time we talk. Who knows? <laughs>
1: well, it's funny because I got an email um, <laughs> earlier today. Uh, you mentioned that about the. Uh, the, the football coach, here's an email that I got. And I think this is a good way, because we didn't really touch on any of the Connor Stallion stuff or any of the drama that's been going on uh, over the last few. I got an email from an offshore betting site that is taking uh, they're taking bets on where Connor Stallions will work for game one next year. And the, the odds-on favorite is SMU. And MSU is number two. <laughs> and, but, but I'd take this with a grain of salt because they also have in those that he's going to be working at at UAD Mercy at some point. And I don't think UAD Mercy has a football program anymore, do they?
0: They do not. They do not. They 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 lost some games early in the 1900s and called it yeah. called it quits. Yeah, um, so, so
1: take that take that betting with a grain of salt. I I wouldn't I would not suggest betting UAD Mercy.
0: No, no, that would be the the, the wrong play. Um, uh, you know, congratulations to those of you who. Live bet James Madison. You're probably feeling pretty good today about that, uh, that money line win. Um, we'll be back next week. We'll talk about wherever the basketball team is. We'll, we'll have to figure out time because, it, to be honest, we probably won't do a pod until after the Champions Classic on Tuesday night. I mean, yeah. things come fast and furious. So my guess is we'll try to do something like Wednesday afternoon. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. Um, but the, um, there'll be a lot to talk about, a lot of basketball, uh, football, and where, where things are. Might be a little less um,
1: coherent than normal.
0: Is this coherent? I don't, I don't know. I said less coherent than normal. Less coherent. Okay, f- f- fair enough. Uh, we appreciate uh, all of you listening. This has been a production of the Lansing State Journal, the Detroit Free Press, and USA Today Network. Please rate, subscribe, throw fruit, whatever makes you comfortable. Just be kind in the, uh, in the ratings. You can say whatever you want uh, uh, underneath. And um, we will be back uh, next week. Thanks for listening.